Welcome to Post Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is Jason. All right, we're back in it again. John is uh, unavailable, so Jason is the uh, best co-host we have, or the next uh, fill-in co-host, or something like that. <laughs> best of what's left. Best of what's left. When we uh, when we have nothing else, Jason will fill in. <laughs> Let Mikey have it. Mikey will eat anything. Uh, that reference is for the old people. <laughs> Although we just saw a commercial for that last night, and I've got it's a little girl. It's like her name is Cindy or something. Oh, like that. really? Cindy likes it. Yeah. They still do that. Yeah. I have not. All right, good for them. Because we talked about it before, we're going to talk about it briefly. Uh, oh, and a furlonging update. It has been announced that Eddie Furlong will be in the new uh, Terminator movie. That's right. So, yay, Eddie Furlong. Um, but, Jason, you, we both just rewatched the two trailers for some reason they decided to drop. Uh, one from 20th Century Fox and one from Paramount. Paramount is the, I think, the main company. I think 20th Century Fox might be the foreign distribution. Mm. But I don't know why they both decided to drop a trailer at the exact same time. Right. And usually the foreign trailers, you can tell it's a foreign trailer. They like either highlight, they would highlight Arnold more and it would have more foreign stuff in it, but it literally just, they're both exactly the same with a couple different set pieces. Right. Heavier action, yeah. more Arnold. Yeah. That sort of thing. So, uh, what did you think upon uh, viewing the trailers based on what you know about the movie and what you, uh, from the original uh, first trailer we talked about? Well, I think it's gotten worse. Oh, interesting. <laughs> For me, anyway. I have no idea why, I mean, I understand you're passing the torch, you know, so to speak, yeah. but why with this trailer, especially after showing the first trailer and making a, such a big deal about having Linda Hamilton come back, why you would make her look weak or way inferior to the new female hybrid Terminator thing. Right. You know, I ha that doesn't make any sense to me why you would do that. And I, I'm just curious, because I, I guess that's... Like, the, then what's the point of Linda Hamilton? If this thing is so smart and fast and whatever, then you don't... Then Linda Hamilton is just, you know, you know to quote Ripley, a fifth wheel. It's fan service in the wrong way. Like, I don't mind fan service. I don't mind... Uh, did you see the new Spider-Man? The, the uh, Far From Home. Yeah, we, we, oh, we saw, saw it together. together. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this summer has been a nightmare in my head. At the end, spoilers... J.K. Simmons back as uh, the boss, which mm -hmm. he was the boss in the first three Spider-Mans, not Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2, the Tobey Maguires. Right. That's fan service, but in a good way. Like, that's, oh, that's cool. Like, he's a good actor, and it's sort of a callback. Right. It's like, all right, people liked him, and he is he fits the role. This is fan service. Like, you like this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I'm, I'm beyond that, we've already told so many stories without... Sarah, mm -hmm. we don't need any more Sarah stories. Well, but if you're going to do it and you're going to highlight it, then she should be in charge. She should be the lead. Right. And, you know, I mean, look, they, I mean, it's the same problem with uh, what the fourth Alien film, right? You had, what was the... Oh, Resurrection? Resurrection with, and it had... Oh, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah. So Ron the girl Perlman. That, that yeah. shoplifted from that store. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> forever, forever be remembered is that. It was the same kind of thing, really. And mm -hmm. then it was like, oh, Ripley's a clone. And then it's like, well, what's the point of this movie? You right. know, why am I watching this? Watching these trailers, I feel exactly the same way, you know, to that. Like the Arnold, I still don't think you need Arnold in these films anymore. But Arnold makes sense. He is the Terminator. And if that's the skin they're going to put on him, he mm -hmm. makes sense to be in all of them because that's the model they're using. And overseas. And, and overseas. And dollars. Dollars, yeah. Like, the only thing I could think about is Sarah. I was thinking for some reason in Terminator 3, Nick Stahl's John Connor talks about how his mom died. But then when they go to, you know, they go to her uh, grave or no, her um, not actually grave. She was in a uh, mausoleum. Right. They take out her coffin and it's full with guns. Well, they could actually use that saying, well, she actually never died. She went off the grid. I know they're not trying to keep with any of the timelines from three through five. Right. But that would be interesting if they did. Like, because you could just say, no, we tried to get her off the grid. So Skynet did thought she was dead. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever came up. But I doubt they're, I mean, doubt they're going to try to make three canon. Um, no, I mean, they've already said it's just one and two. What has she been doing? It's like, and if she's just been fighting robots, like if she's that military-esque, it's like, where has she just been waiting? Has stuff been happening? Obviously, we're in the future because there's no way it's like, it's the direct sequel. It's two years later because, you know, obviously she's 60. Right. That's the one thing they're not really telling us, which I'm okay with. It's just like, what has she been doing for 30 years? Right. Has she just been training? Because I like the idea of her being in the mental home in two. 
it's like, oh, that makes sense. Yes. You know, telling people. And it's like, you know, then after all these events, it's like, why hasn't she been in jail? Like, I feel like, you yeah, know. She's just been hiding out. Yeah. You know, and that's why she's, you know, rusty, I guess. She still has all the weapons. So, like, you see her, comp- if you're trying to piece together from the trailer, like, where everything takes place, like, okay, the new Terminator female doesn't seem to know who Sarah is when she's popped out of the trunk or the truck mm-hmm. and shooting the thing. It's like, okay, so she knows about this somehow. So she has all the weapons and everything. And then something happens at that hotel room or something. And then she must know, she must know who Sarah Connor is. Right. Because she was like, you know, worship is like a God. Right. Cause when Kyle Reese comes through, she was like, well, no, because it's uh, in the scene in the hotel, Sarah goes, you know, tell me who you are. And then the female term, no, you first. So she has no idea who Sarah is. That don't make no sense. Timelines, I guess. I mean, but thing is, though, say it all depends on the theory on how they're figuring out. Well, like they, because they've, they've gone to a different timeline because they stopped the thing. They Everything stopped changed. the thing. So they stopped their focus on Sarah. So Sarah isn't a thing anymore. And obviously, if John, if. John's just a burned out 30 years later. I hope he is just a burned out uh, character. He doesn't exist anymore within that timeline. They changed it after two and then it altered the timeline. So no one knows who she is because you would think, although she's just an enhanced human, she doesn't have a computer brain. So she might not know who she is and they don't talk about her. Yeah, it could be. But then it opens up the question. It's like, why is there an old Arnold? It made sense in Genesis, for God's sakes, that we're actually making that made sense. Because in the Genesis timeline, they sent someone back to kill young Sarah. So they sent an Arnold version mm-hmm. to protect her. So she grew up with that Arnold. That's why that Arnold aged. Then he aged even more when they did the time jump. So it makes sense that the Terminator can age. Right. But what Terminator is this one? Obviously, it's not the T2 one. Correct. So who is the... Or the first one. Right. Or... Or are they taking that bit of the story? She, no, because they, they, I don't know. I just don't know. There's going to be a lot of questions they, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to answer in this one by by eliminating movies. Like if they didn't, didn't eliminate movies, it's like, all right, I'll just piece together from all the movies of what right. you're doing. But if we're literally going from Arnold melts in that and then their future's open, then what? Like... What then Skynet just starts later. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. It just always shows that Skynet's always going to happen, whether, whether you call it Skynet, call it Genesis, or whatever they call it. It's right. always going to happen. Well, you can bet that we're going to find out in a long monologue of exposition from Arnold sitting in the cabin, you know, telling us what happened after you changed the future, then yeah. so and so happened, and here's what happened, <laughs> and now I'm here, and I'm old. Yeah. And, Ky- was- and Kyle Reese is a clerk at Whole Foods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Noise, noise, noise. <laughs> That'd be great, though. They just cut back, and it's Sarah still at the diner. Well, after everything was done, I... Yeah, she, I well, she's managing now, so that's yeah. the good thing. So two ends. She still technically escaped a mental institution, so she's on the run. Right. With her, you know, 10... Well, she's down in Mexico, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. She's that's hiding like, somewhere in Central America, yeah. something like that. Cause... Yeah. So, yeah, definitely take looks like it takes place at a border, because mm-hmm. there were the border agents. That's yes. What, the one thing I did like, though, the new Terminator, that it seemed like they sort of gave him a personality. Like in the scene where he goes, my whole body's a weapon. And then right. he walks through and he goes, sorry. And like, sort of swear, it's like amped up version of Robert Patrick's. Mm-hmm. Like, because Robert Patrick had a personality, but it seems like they're giving him a sense of humor, which not the one-liner Arnold, but a self-aware, more of a like an upgraded AI mm-hmm. per se. But I don't know. I still feel the same as with all of them. Great. I'll go see it. You, you, anytime you put a Terminator in the title, I will go see your stupid movie. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It looks okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we're, we're starting to see the cracks already in that, was that Gizmodo article or io9? Yeah, yeah. Where um, Cameron is now, you know, saying, well, the script really wasn't ready when we started shooting. And I was sending pages the night before. They were, you know, yeah. going to shoot the scene, you know, to fix it. So we're already seeing cracks. So I wonder if he saw the first cut and went, all right, I got to distance myself, even though they're advertising this as my return. Oh, well, he's got to be, I mean, he's way deep into it. So no, they've got to be almost finished by now. Him seeing more of a finished version. Now, the reason why this article came out, but he's there, like he's in Australia shooting avatars. Yeah, but I'm sure he's getting cuts. No, no, I know. But like, he's probably like saw the latest version and went, oh. Yeah, I mean, clearly, you know. 
and look after all the hype for the he you know touted genesis and stuff it was actually really funny one of the like top comments was something like the effect of you know oh great the guy that told us you know uh, that Genesis was such a great movie, it's, you know, has finally come out and said, well, we watched the, the three sequels, you know, post T2, yeah. and made it sound like it just seen him for the first time, yeah. you know. So, who knows? I mean, we've talked about it before from the first trailer. It definitely looks like they've borrowed all the ideas from three, four, and five. Right. Not like directly like, hey, we're stealing these. And a lot of these, if you read a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff of even from three on, all the directors really respect Cameron for doing the the vision. Mm-hmm. So all the directors have always asked, you know, like McGee had a big session. Like I think he even said, he goes, no, I talked to Cameron for hours about my theories and he gave me his input. And it all depends on what you take. Mm-hmm. And then on Genesis, you know, obviously he was, he was touting it, you right. know, so he talked about his theories. But the not con- directly involved. Like he was probably only... Involved at service level because of Arnold. Yeah, this is the first time he's getting paid to do it. So all the directors, regardless of what they use, have respected his ideas. Mm -hmm. So for him to, like, sort of distance himself, it's like, well, a lot of this is probably you because, you you know, everyone's going to listen to you. Like, if I was directing one you weren't involved, I would take some of your ideas because it's your story. But the way he makes movies now, this is kind of what his vision would be. Mm -hmm. You know, like, the time, like... From when he made two to what he's making now, his so much time has passed, and he's a different filmmaker. Mm-hmm. So his ideas are, oh, I would do this, this, and this. We don't know exactly what he would have done for three if he was doing three, because his mindset was so different. Like, if he did three after Titanic, it would have been so different. But, you know, it's hard to say. Right. What? It's hard to say what exactly his vision even is, because it seems like they're still borrowing from... Because if they were really going to discount it, it would it would look so different. Because mm-hmm. all these look like just versions of everything we've seen before. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing new in the trailers that we haven't already seen. Unlike yeah. the Joker trailer we just watched, and that looked like a you know an art piece. You know, by comparison, it literally went. It was like you would never think. Like we talked about on the Once Pod, which is posted. You go from the uh, the Terminators, like oh these look like fun movies. Then you see the Joker trailer immediately after. You're like, look at this film. Right. Look, this is filmmaking from the guy that brought us the hangover, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the Joker looks like an art piece. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's I, I like the idea, even though it, it it's a little weird that Warner Brothers is just like, fuck it. We don't know what we're doing. Oh, you're going to make a Joker movie that doesn't fit in any continuity? Whatever. Yeah. Do it. I think it's going to make, it's just going to be gangbusters just because it looks so new and unique. You know, whereas, like, you know, we've got, I think, does Rambo come out? Last Blood, does that come out next week or last week? Uh, last week is September, September 20th. Oh, I so, love so a yeah. few weeks away for that, you know, coming out. And, like, I have zero interest in seeing that. You know, it's just like a rehash Jason Statham script. Yeah. Um, and Which is based it, on the rehash Jason Statham script that they already made. Yeah. So they already made the movie. Go see that one. That one's actually really good. Or, it's good. Right. It's uh, Jason Statham, James Franco... Uh, it's basically the same story. So they rehashed the story Stallone was going to make. That was supposed to be Rambo 5. Mm-hmm. Then they made it with Statham. So then they rehashed that one to make Rambo 5. So it's kind of whatever. Yeah, and, and the last Rambo was, you know, looked really good. It was, you know, was a really great film. And yeah. I was like happy ending it there. And it's just like, just you know, keep making all this stuff. And it just all looks, no matter how much CGI, you know, you throw at it, you know, it all looks the same. I mean, one of the big things for me, I think, in watching the in the terminator trailers is how i don't know we've kind of taken like the human element away mm-hmm. from it i mean i understand sarah's there with like the little girl but it seems so focused on the new hybrid terminator thing yeah. and then like you said giving the terminator a personality yeah. and like and now i know you know arnold had scenes where he was by himself right where he goes into the jail cell and he yeah. shoots everything up um but when you do that and you make you, you give the Terminators more character than they probably should have, then it's taking away from Sarah, this little girl who I really don't care about. Yeah. And then Edward Furlong. Yeah. I wish the <laughs> trailer everyone's was... Gonna pl- everyone's going to clap, you know, in the yeah. theater when Edward Furlong, you know, comes on the screen. I wish it was just two minutes of Edward Furlong smoking. Yeah, I saved the world. Yeah. What do you got about it? <laughs> <laughs> and then you go wide and he's working as a clerk. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be, you know, something like that, um, which is why he's not involved in any of the action sequences, yeah. you know, that we've seen to date. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, you know, we'll go see it, and huh. I, but I'm reluctant. We already know the technology's there that these action pieces are going to be huge. I would rather them 
sell me what the story is. Why do I give a shit about this little girl who apparently is supposed to be the one that saves the world? Again? But <laughs> she's not even in the trailer. Like, you see a couple shots of her. It's like, I'd rather have them in the trailer tell us the backstory to mm. that. And then when we go see the movie, it's like, well, good thing I watched the trailer because I have the backstory. But it is literally it's like, look what we can do now. I already know what you can do. I saw Endgame. I've seen all these movies. I know exactly what you can do with technology. I don't need you to impress me with what the Terminator can do. Oh, it can split in two. Cool. I saw it in 92 when it was liquid metal. I've right. seen all of this before. I would rather just them tell me the story or what Sarah's been doing. Mm -hmm. You know, just it literally looks like a, a, a movie to something that has no uh, movies attached to it. Like if you were to watch this on its own, mm -hmm. like if you had no, like you grab some kid. Have you seen a Terminator movie? What's that? Set him down. He It wouldn't matter. I'm trying to sell it broad. Right. As opposed to just telling a story. Like, I'm sure if you watch the Terminator 1 or the first Terminator trailer, I'm sure it's just very just giving you story. It is, uh, you know, monologuing in that thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I'm going to answer with the reason why they don't show her backstory is because it's just going to be a mirror of Sarah Connor. And it's just, oh, she's, you know, here she is. And, you know, she's just a girl and... Ultimately, she's going to save the world, you know, 30 years from now or no. something. And there's nothing to, you know, there's nothing to show. Um, no. But they're, you know, they're going to politicize it by, you know, making her, a, you know, captive in one of the, you know, uh, border you know, no. containment facilities and that kind of thing. Try to make it, you know, modernize it. And that's the Cameron aspect. You know, that's the Cameron. <laughs> yeah, aspect to give it a little, you know, to give it some, which is while the Border Patrol guys are being, you know, chopped up by the, you know, by the bad Terminator and, you know, just trying to updated but I, you know there's nothing they can show because they've already shown it right and so now you know and just like i say you know you're showing the effect of the terminator splitting in half which probably actually would have been really cool in the theater yeah but now they've shown it in the trailer it's like showing the you know the alien bursting out of you know william hurt yeah. in the trailer and you're like oh so that's happening oh, all right oh this is that scene now yeah and now you've just ruined it i think with the terminator effects you don't need to overshow anything we already know like show show the one in that first teaser where he's in the truck. I think the spear goes through him, and then he morphs to himself on top of the truck. So right. it kind of shows too. Save that. That's all you need. It's like, oh shit, we're upgraded. Yeah, we. I don't need to see fourteen new versions of this. You yeah, know? yeah. Just show it the one time briefly for a few frames, and oh wow, now you've piqued my interest. Yeah. But now in these latest trailers, it just basically shows he's unstoppable. You can't kill him, right. just like in the original one. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, and it's also too that that I think that line of dialogue for some I think maybe it's a Sarah line or something. It's like if we don't stop them now, this is the end. It's like again because this is right. part six. I've seen six of these. I know <laughs> if you don't win, we'll we'll come back, or if you do win, we're still going to do this. So you never win, right? In this spoiler alert, they all win in the end, and the Terminator gets killed, right? But somehow Arnold will be in the next one at seventy six. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> That one trailer that shows Arnold, I will train you to protect the girl. It's like, well, she's a machine. Sarah seems like she's already a badass. I don't need you. Like, it's such don't a, need Sarah either. Yeah. I know. Like, she's an enhanced human. Sarah's a badass. And it's like, Arnold, I'll show you how to protect her. Sarah's like, I've kind of done this before for like two movies. And she's enhanced. So I think we're okay. I don't think I need this old robot to tell me anything. And then, too, that weird thing of her going... I, you know, I will kill you at the end of this. And it's like, why? Right. I mean, what's the point? Obviously, if he's helping you, he helped you in the second one. Don't you remember that? <laughs> there was a whole movie about that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, wait, are you from Genesis? Because that's not really supposed to exist. Yeah. What timeline are you from? Because there's been a lot of these. I've been dead. My son's been 10 when he was 13. I don't know. What, what, how old am I? <laughs> right. Well, now, I mean, now that we're talking about this and hashing it out and the comments that Cameron made, like... I don't get why does he do that? Why is just don't even say anything? Just yeah. say it's really great. Go see it. But now, I think it's pretty clear that they didn't know what you know. They had to make the movie. They just had a couple like half baked ideas, mm -hmm. and they're like, "Well, we want a little Hispanic girl. We want to bring you know Linda Hamilton back. We got to fit Arnold in somehow, and we're gonna have 150 million dollars, right. whatever the budget is of you know CG. Yeah. Okay, go. Well, and two, it almost seems like. Because uh, Cameron, it, it's funny if anyone can find it. Maybe I'll post it on uh, Twitter. There's a funny video someone compiled from uh, uh, James Cameron talking about 
Salvation and oh yeah, and Genesis. No, this is the natural sequel to Terminator Two. I really love it, and it's almost like he's saying like the same script, and he looks you know six years older in one, and right. it's hilarious. And I think their whole thing was when he was talking about that with Genesis, that made sense because they were crossing timelines, which in theory was a really good idea. Just once again, we've always talked about it was just miscast. Right. I think that's the the down part. Like if we were to watch that movie now objectively, maybe we'll watch all of them before we see the new one and see where our minds are with all of them because we talk about them more than we've oh, actually yeah, seen do, them. Do a, a, more, a marathon, yeah. Maybe not watch one and two because then it'll just depress us once we get to three or just go through them and just go, <laughs> oh. I think it was that thing when they were talking about how Genesis was technically this at Terminator 3. Like he's like, no, this would be Terminator 3 because they're crossing the timelines. Mm-hmm. Then for them to do that going, well, Cameron's back. Now we'll call this the next one. How do we do that? We need Sarah. You know, I think right. that was it. I would have been okay if, I mean, once again, you had had to get Edward Furlong in shape to be in the, like, this one and just go, it's up to me now. You know, it's, you know, my mom died or something. But I think for them to do it is the only reason I think Linda Hamilton's back is so they can call it the third one. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I don't think, like you said, I think they literally just, what are we doing? Right. And then Cameron came on board. He, you know, he's a producer now. It's like, well, he, he's, he, the rights reverted back to him, right, with this one. Isn't yes, that, this, that's why this he's, is the first film that's truly... His right, and the only reason Actually, of any of them, <laughs> and this, uh, yeah, this is the first time he's being paid. And like I said before, if you read the article, especially on uh, even Genesis, where Cameron pitched a lot of ideas, that's why he got behind it. Mm-hmm. Like when the person pitched him his ideas of what he wanted to do, Cameron pitched a lot, all free. So it's like he can still be distanced because he's not, you know, paid on mm-hmm. it. But I think he, I think he still has his hands on all of them. Less on th- not so much on three because he just told Arnold take as much money as you want because he was mad that they were making it. Mm-hmm. So that's why Arnold got like twenty five million dollars for it. Right. But I would definitely say four and five have his hand on it, even though he's not credited on it. But this, yeah, this is the first time they can say James Cameron's back because we're paying him. Right. You know, there's seven writers on it, and it's like, oh. Right, and I think it's, it's actually be the first time he's going to actually <clears throat> directly benefit from the box office, right? Because he sold all the rights to make the first one, right? And then for the second film, he's really just a hired gun, right? I mean, a lot of people don't know that. I mean, they hired him to write the script and then direct it, but and then he got a check, yeah. But I don't think he got any back end from Terminator Two. I think that was all. I'd be curious. Like I, Carlico I, stuff. I mean, it might have been one of those things. Maybe he got a half a point or something. I'll come back if I can. Maybe that was part of his deal. I'll take less so we can put more in the budget. To I've never, I've never heard anything about it. But you know that he, you know, I mean, he directly benefited as a director from Terminator Two. Oh yeah. I mean, so he benefited. He just doesn't get you know every time they release that thing on you know. It's becoming the Evil Dead of Blu-rays right now. Here's another version. You're like, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so many. So, yeah, I, I think, um, once again, we're both going to see it. Maybe we'll watch all of them. I'd be curious. I In mean, October. That uh, should tell you something. Yeah. It's, it's not January. It is not. It is one step above January. <laughs> I mean, uh, to be fair, it is the releasing on Halloween, so it is sort of November, so at least that's something. Yeah, I think it's technically November 1st here, but... Halloween for some reason overseas. It's like a weird one day. This trailer said October 31st. But the Paramount trailer says November 1st. Oh, really? It's, it's a November 1st release. Oh, well, I um, guess too, maybe because maybe they count like midnight showing or I don't know. Yeah, November 1st is a Friday. So, oh, maybe it's October. Maybe they're doing counting Wednesday as the international release. Oh. And then Friday. So November's still not that great of a month. And that should actually tell you something too that. It's being released. I know they do it all the time, but I think for movies that where they're just trying to make as much money as they can for the first weekend, right? Because that's when they get yeah. the highest gross. They get like ninety percent of the ticket sales or yeah. something. They're you know going to do overseas first, and then you know to get hype or whatever you know, and then release it here because it's probably going to be like the Hobbs and Shaw thing where it did like really well like in China and stuff, but then right. just did okay here. Yeah, and it's surprising because they keep talking. We hit four hundred million. It's like I'm surprised that movie didn't hit eight hundred million. Like they're really happy with their four hundred million, which I'm actually surprised it wasn't more. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'll, I'll be surprised that, that movie actually makes money. Um, you know, you know, they always tout like the Chinese gross, but what a lot of people don't know is that the Chinese government takes seventy five percent of that gross, and that leaves the studio with twenty five percent. Yeah, so that's why, like, if it does really, hey, made a billion, they're great. Right. I mean, yeah. look, it's free. It's free money, right? It's kind of China has kind of taken the place of DVDs and right. 
you know, uh, the home video market, basically, right, which is almost non-existent at this point. Yeah. So here's what's competing with Terminator in the month of November, which might be the reason why. Arctic Dogs is another big wide one. I don't know what that must be animated. It's animation from Entertainment Studios. You know, Entertainment Studios, 3,600 screens. Oh, I think we saw a trailer for that in front of Toy Story. Oh, okay. Um, Balto looked better. Okay. There you go. Doctor Sleep which is the sequel to Shining, which looks pretty good. Last Christmas, which is a romantic comedy, so that'll do what it does. Charlie's Angels, the next Sony hit. (laughs) Yikes. This is already rough. And then Frozen 2, Thanksgiving week. Oh, right, that comes later. basically, although it's our movie, they just have to make all their money before Frozen, before Frozen kicks it out of the theater. Yes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they're not, you know, two different. Yeah, the person's like, oh, man, double feature. Yeah. Let's go see Dark Fate and Frozen. At <laughs> <laughs> the same time. All right. So, I mean, that's the Terminator update. I'll be curious. But I do, I, I think I really do want to watch them all again. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I rewatched, I think I, I had it sent you an email. I had rewatched the first one, which was kind of fun. I remembered a lot and didn't remember a lot. Mm-hmm. For a movie that I feel like I've seen a ton. Right. There's just the stuff that, all right, I glaze over that part. Like right. the, the part where Arnold's at the cabin. I, I completely... 100% didn't remember that scene when I was watching it. Right, yeah. It does feel a little bit like out of out of place when you watch it, yeah. And it's like, how come I don't remember this one scene? I, I honestly I was like, is this a bonus thing? I looked at it. <laughs> if I was, am I watching an extended cut? But I feel like with Terminator 2, I'm going to remember everything. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be one thing I won't go, all right. Well, because we just saw it in the, the re-release oh, in the IMAX, right. remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. That actually looked really yeah, good. IMAX 3D, yeah, it was great. It, it felt as good as anything that came out yeah. two summers ago. Yeah, except no one has cell phones. That's the only thing. It's like, hey, he, he could have really solved a lot of problems by not going to that payphone. <laughs> and then I'll be curious about the other ones because I haven't really watched the other ones other than like reviews and stuff. And then Genesis is the freshest in my memory because we saw that last summer, two summers ago, three years ago. I have yeah. no idea when Genesis came out. All right. Next topic. It was actually funny. Have you heard of the movie The Fanatic? Not the one you were going to make, <laughs> which is the reason why I actually wanted to That's talk really about funny. it. funny. It's a Fred Durst movie. Yeah. Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit. Wow, does he wear a hat backwards? Uh, I'm sure 100% the whole time. Directed, starring John Travolta. Okay. You'll have to watch the trailer. It's a, it's a movie. It's a, John Tra- Travolta plays an obsessive fan to like an action star or something. But he is like older. He looks mentally problemed. I want to say it delicately. Okay. It looks okay. It's one that was sort of been sort of lingering because no one knows what to do with this movie, but it's finally coming out. Mm. Uh, even when you have a chance to watch it, it looks fine. It's it's just another movie about an obsessive fan who, you know, I think kidnaps someone. It's vaguely like King of Comedy, which I just rewatched, the Scorsese film. Oh, okay. Uh, Actually, we can, t- we can tie that movie, uh, The Fanatic, to Terminator because Michael Bean was in, uh-huh. that was like one of his first like right. lead roles right, was right. The Fan. Right. Uh, with it was him and Lauren Bacall, mm-hmm. you know him, you know being this like obsessed with Lauren Bacall because she was an actress and I don't know, he tries to kill her or something. I can't remember who directed that one, but could not tell you for the life of me. Yeah. So there's a movie. So I actually actually don't want to really talk about the fanatic. And real quick, I need to look up who directed the fan. <laughs> Did that John Travolta racing movie ever come out? <laughs> it is trading paint. It's uh, it is on um. Amazon Prime. I saw it and I went, really I'm already? watching Trading Paint. I'll probably oh watch it tonight God. because it looks terrible. And I love terrible movies. That's probably why I'm so excited about the new uh, Terminator movie. Let's see. The, the Fan. What year would you guess that movie came out in? Uh, it's like 81. 81. Oh, it's on Prime. There oh, there you go. There you go. Directed by Ed Bianche, oh. which directed, which I actually know from. He's done a lot of TV now. Uh, directed Yellowstone. Billions, Get Shorty, The Get Down, Bloodline, Bates Motel, Ray Donovan. Wow, that guy's been making movies for 40 years. The Killing. These are all TV. Let's see. God, yeah, he's done nothing but... Yeah, so The Fan was his first film. And then basically went into... Then just ended up dying. Not dying. I mean, he's worked nonstop in TV. That's amazing. Well, good for him. Did a a Mad Men. Wow. uh, In 2007. So, yeah, he basically did that and then... Basically has not stopped working since 81. He literally directed City on the Hill for some new show and two episodes of Yellowstone. Wow. So basically, uh, whole point, I'll cut all that bullshit out. Uh, the Fanatic. 
you were going to make a film called The Fanatic. Or was it just <laughs> Fanatic? Was it The Fanatic or Fanatic? I think it was The Fanatic. Okay. What year was this? Uh, Tell the audience. I don't even want to relive this. This was probably like 1994 or something like nope. that. Keep going. Was I actually kind of 95? It was, uh, I believe it was closer to 96 because I was oh. up here. Because I remember you shot. Oh. I had moved up here. Yeah, I guess it would For been. anyone up here. I briefly lived in uh, the Palm Springs area where Jason basically grew up, basically did grow up. And then I moved up here in 96, up here being Los Angeles with my girlfriend, who currently is my wife, in 96. And I started working in TV at that point, I became a PA, all that bullshit. Jason, who at the time was going to make a film, The Fanatic. And I couldn't come down because as a PA, I had no flexibility. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have, we had AOL Messenger, <laughs> but I mean, we had to log in to, oh, yeah. to talk. So I think it was, maybe it was 95, 96, but I definitely, I That's remember right. I was up here and I came up here for pilot season, Homeboys in Outer Space pilot <laughs> in uh, April of 1996 was when I was up here. So it might've been early 96 or roughly around probably that time. Right. And this was, how far were you into film school when you were doing this? Probably would just been my first year, Okay, I think. So I've been like the equivalent of like a junior in college. Okay. Because, like, all of that is sort of a blur to me. Because even though I was part of it a little bit, because I think you sent me the script. I wrote, like, three notes or something on it. We talked about it. You were going to shoot it. I couldn't come down. And all that's a blur because, one, it's 20-some years ago, and I was a PA, and I was working mental hours. But I remember you actually shot You shot a scene, right? Or two scenes? Or... Yeah, I shot actually a couple of scenes. Right. Um well, I think, I mean, we were so inspired by uh, both Kevin Smith's Clerks, Robert Rodriguez, uh, El Mariachi, mm-hmm. and um, his book, uh, Rebel Without a Crew, which if you've never read, you know, he wrote that back like in 1992, I think. And it would, I think it would still, you know, anything that's in it would still hold true today with the exception of him having to go through and develop the film, that sort of thing. We thought we could do, you know, do it do something that way, do kind of a, you know, an action movie based on, you know, the, the few things that we had available mm-hmm. to us, you know, could do it for like, I don't know, seven or $8,000, right. something like that. You know, ultimately we never, we never made it, but I think, you know, we were, we literally had, um, we had this, uh, Cine Kodak uh, 16 millimeter camera that had kind of this uh, tri photo lens on it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So you could do, you could have kind of a long lens and then there was kind of a wide angle and then kind of something in between. We were going to use that and then the script didn't have that much dialogue in it. And so we're going to do it El Mariachi style where you would just re record the dialogue later. Right. You know, and so basically every line would be 80 yard and then, um, you know, you'd cut it all together because we still had. We did have the Pentacle card, and we were using Adobe Premiere, so we did right. have, you know, we had electronic editing, so we weren't right. trying to cut it on film or something. Right. Yeah, all you um, had to do was get it um, transferred. That was really about it. Yeah, and that w- that was actually probably like half the cost of making the movie, mm-hmm. you know, because that was, you know, you know, those two movies in particular, you know, I mean, the one thing that they taught was take what you have available to you and then form the story around that, and that's sort of what, you know, what I did to... Brian's uh, friend Brian, his younger brother Chris, he was like really into like martial arts and stuff. And he was, uh, Chris is like what five, six years, five years younger than us, something I think like so, that, yeah, yeah. give or take. And so he, you know, he was like game to like do just about any kind of stunt or yeah. whatever, you know, within you know within reason. And um, I'm trying to remember like what the story was, but it was something like a vigil. You know, he was kind of a vigilante kind of guy, loner, and there'd be like you know bad people and he'd be like riding wrongs you know yeah. that sort of thing like a like a low rent version of the punisher or something yeah it's funny because i don't i remember bits and pieces from the script but i couldn't tell you what the main story and not 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 in the way like once upon a time where they're like we don't know the story it's like i just once again it's been probably 23 years since i've read it oh, but yeah but i remember it, it was that thing that was the best part is we were gonna use what we had and that was great you had a film camera that had three different lenses. Great. Mm-hmm. We could get what we needed with that. You had a, or Brian had his uh, 1965 Mustang. So we had a cool car. Mm-hmm. Like it was, that was the thing. We had enough elements and we were living in Palm Springs. So you could pretty much do whatever. No one gave a shit at that time. Oh yeah. No one gave a shit now, but then it's like, what are these guys doing? And we, such a small, just camera. So it wasn't like we had to set up anything. 
you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we had, you know, access to, like, a few firearms. And at the time, there was this company, Type X Terminator 2. Yeah. There was a company called Stembridge. And uh, they were here in, they were over in Glendale. And uh, they did, like, all the weapons for, like, Terminator 2. Um, they had, like, William Holden's Gatling gun. They had um, Heat had, like, just come out, I think. Mm-hmm. They had, like, all the weapons from Heat there. I got to hold Val Kilmer's, like, rifle. Oh, wow. And that, um, and so they, you could just go and you could just buy the blanks. Right. Um, right there. You could even, like, rent the blank guns. They did actually one for one's, like, student film. And so, you know, we were going to make our own little, you know, action movie the same way that... Um, you know, Robert Rodriguez, you know, did, except for he actually <laughs> pulled it off and actually did it. I mean, we went on to make, you know, I don't know, maybe a dozen different, like, short things, you know, throughout right, those I, years. Right, because you were still, because it wasn't like this was, like, your thesis project or anything. This was something you were doing. No, we, were, we wanted to do it over the summer was the idea. Right. Yeah, so then that ha- then you were still in school, but then after that you did a bunch of short films after that for, mostly for school. Yeah, yeah, all on film. Um, I mean, that's the big thing between then and now is, like, you were... You know, if you really want to make a movie, you had to shoot on film and it was expensive and you had, you know, not like now where you can just let the camera run and run and run. Um, you had to really be careful. So you're doing like, you know, one or two takes yeah. max and um, you just have to live with like, you know, whatever mistakes, you know, that you made or yeah. rehearsal, five rehearsal takes two filmed takes. Yeah. You know, like everyone got what they're doing. No, I think that was a big part of it, too, is um, we had we had a, uh, like my dad's Sony Handycam. Mm hmm. And I think that's kind of what we were doing was uh, we were going to shoot the pieces on, because we had nothing but time. Right. Didn't have jobs. Right. You know, because we were like just off for the summer. And so we would shoot the scenes on video first to get an idea of like how it was going to work and then go back and then shoot it again on the, film right and then so you kind of then everything would be locked down and you'd like know exactly like it was like like a visual on. storyboard yeah yeah kind like, of and i'd always heard that like coppola wanted to do this or kind of did it with apocalypse now where he uh, shot like kind of a video version of the movie oh and it had none of the actors or anything okay um and i don't know if that ever happened or if that was just a concept he did but um i remember kind of latching onto that and thinking well that's a really good idea if you're if you have nothing but time yeah and then you've got the videotape you can just shoot it, and then oh, this is working. Let's try to change something up, and then you've kind of you know just like a you wouldn't you know, have like a previs or animatic of today. You'd know pretty much what you're going to do, and then you can go and shoot it. Keep in mind, we're all you know. Gosh, I don't know, in our early twenties. Uh, yeah, it's like twenty two. There's no YouTube. No YouTube. There's barely cell phones. Yeah. You know, it was it was the dark ages, but um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a bummer that you know that never totally came to fruition. But that's what happens with a lot of right. Hollywood dreams. Here. Yeah. Well, and also, too, you weren't making it here, you know, and then, you know, you were going back to school. I mean, there were a lot of elements. Yeah, of- I think that the finance part of it, I think, was the biggest thing was trying to get the, you know, enough money to make it all work. I think that's what killed us in the end. Right. And I think that's the thing. It's like you either have enough on your own to do it. None of us, I think, even had credit cards. I think I had one, but I think I had a 2000 max on it. So it wasn't yeah. even like because uh, I know like uh, like Kevin Smith talked about like he maxed out a credit card, but it was also they had the big storm like hurricane or something and they got some like fema money for like because he lost two cars yeah you have two volkswagen beetles that's so right. he lost the car so he just didn't buy a new car mm-hmm. robert rodriguez that that was all just like he shot and did everything on the back end so that was just film processing where you could you know line up the credit on that right yeah and he was just a one man you know he did everything himself and then you know shot it all i mean just like he does today yeah but it, that's the thing, though. That that was, the, I think, what was so inspiring about that book is you see El Mariachi, then you read the book, and then it was just the way it all looked fine. He goes, he would shoot the scene and then go with his recorder and have yes. them say the exact same dialogue, and it sunk. It was like, who, I mean, you just think of all these people probably being in their 20s, maybe late 20s. Mm-hmm. You shoot this scene, you do your whole dialogue saying, all right, now say it again into my audio cassette yeah, recorder. Yeah, he had a, a, a Marantz tape recorder. Yeah. yeah, and then just... And it all worked fine. Obviously, you could bring it back in if you needed to. But, like, that, to me, I think, cracked me up. Like, oh, my God, what are the odds that you would get the same performance? Even though no one was putting out, like, a Joaquin Phoenix or a, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis yeah, performance. Yeah, no, like, right. each line is maybe, like, three or four words or something like that. But, you know, what? It, it worked. And, um, you know, it became a huge, you know, star because right. of it. And how do you think, like, like you said, there was no YouTube. It was, like you said, the Dark Ages for some reason. <laughs> If you're in the same mindset, say 
you were still 23 or 24 year old Jason you're about to do the fanatic but YouTube exists in what it is now and even maybe cell phones or something would you have gone that route or would you have still because you were one year into film school and I've talked with John, like John John even being in film school like was like at that time when even though people were still doing some stuff it was like no I gotta you know shoot my thesis on 35 you know everyone you know when you're in film school it's all about film mm-hmm. and it's all about making it on film and video is like no video is terrible right. and also too it was a different time like video wasn't what video is now like you have 4k on your phone and if you use it right looks amazing mm-hmm. at the time we had a sony handycam look like sony handycam no matter what you <laughs> did to it it was only going to look so good right do you think things would have been a little different in that same mindset it's 1996 you're about to fanatic youtube maybe even in an infancy stage existed would you have still gone the route you've gone or would you have maybe gone a digital route to shoot the film to get it done but it's it's still not cameras of today no 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 like i mean i mean just like with your mindset it's like oh just shoot it on video just at least have a movie yes it's like oh i could have put this thing together we could you know not say it's not 4k maybe not even sony cam it's like look maybe let's put it together right gosh you know it's hard it was such a stigma to shoot on video back then i know it's hard to like be in that mindset because john and i talked about he goes it's like video was so you know you didn't shoot porn shot on video tv at some tv show shot on you know video and so it it, it's hard to i mean i get it it's a hard a it's a hard what if because you're 23 year old you're thinking about film video is just for home stuff like no one shoots video like yeah at that time there wasn't even movies really released on video i mean a couple in the 80s that were shot on more pro video Mm -hmm. cameras but it is it's a hard thing it's not like now where it's like hey would you shoot film or would you just use your camera that has 4k on it let me use my camera i'm not going to spend the money on 4k or on uh processing film yeah yeah, i mean ideally no i don't know there'd be no there'd be no reason for it i mean um i remember on uh on mad men they did a test um from seasons uh one through four was shot on 35 Mm mm-hmm and uh, for and the rest of the seasons from season five on, um, they actually went to and shot on Airy, uh, Alexa, yeah. probably. Um, and once you apply like the filters and mm-hmm. stuff, you can basically make it look yeah. just like it is on film. Yeah, minus having to do dirt fixes or any of yeah. that stuff. <clears throat> um, I was just thinking, you know, thinking about. We even had access to. Uh, our buddy Steve had uh, worked for a lighting company that like they did specialized right. in stage lighting, and right. so that was like one of the big things that was going to save us is that we could basically get all the uh, lighting packages for free. Right now they were a little different in that they were designed for like a stage, but with you know through diffusion and stuff you could make it work for. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's not going to look like Schindler's List anyway. So yeah, what yeah. difference does it make? Just yeah. likes to get exposure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, like I say, I I think. Given the mindset, I think it like you would have had to shoot it on film or nothing because yeah. otherwise, you know, it was just you couldn't get anybody. There would be no way to, I think to get there'd be no place to play it, right? And you probably couldn't get anybody to look at it, you know, to take it seriously, right? And after you've gone through all that time and expense, yeah, you know, I mean, you got you'd get the experience out of it, obviously, and hope that you could somehow do something else, mm-hmm. um, you know, and work your way up that way, um. But probably, you know, probably not. It's funny, I haven't thought about that thing in a long time. There's a script buried in storage somewhere. <laughs> I, I came across my copy, um, I don't like a year ago. I think I took a photo of it. It's like, look what I found. It was just, oh, yeah. I was going through stuff and I was like, oh my God, I haven't <laughs> seen this in ages. Like kindling to start a fire. That. But no, it was just funny to see it. I was like, God, I like you, like with you, I hadn't thought about it. And then I saw the Fanatic trailer. I was like, oh my God, the Fanatic. And then made me think of uh what you were going to do oh yeah i might even register that with the wga it actually might be in the wga hey. archives damn you travolta <laughs> damn you fred durst well actually i got the title from um there was a chuck jones limited uh, edition piece of the coyote and roadrunner oh okay um and if you google it like chuck jones the fanatic uh-huh. that's where that's where i got the name from hmm. and the the thing is uh is something effective fanatic is one who doubles their efforts while forgetting their aim Oh, okay. And I always thought that was so cool. Um, it's on Google if you... Thank you, Chuck Jones. It. Yeah, yeah, that's where that came from. And not you, Fred Durst. <laughs> no, Fred Durst. Do you have any... Now that you're an older statesman now, do you still have any desire to 
write or direct again? Because, I mean, that was sort of the path you were going to go down in theory. I mean, everyone in film school wanted to be the writer and director. Oh, and yeah. Then about 1% might actually do it regardless if you see their work or not. And then everyone else either leaves, gets another job, or ends up in the business doing kind of what we do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you wind up in post. So yeah. most people wind up, you know. Or someone, yeah, it's like, no, you know what? I, I ended up in wardrobe. I ended up as an AD. I ended up as the, you know, it's like, it's just one of those things. Sometimes you might even find a path that you like more. I mean, I don't have any regrets doing what I'm doing or where no, I ended no, no. up. Oh, yeah, no, no, of if course. I, I mean, if I were to do it again, oh, I would do the writing track for sure. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, that's where it's at. I mean, right. I, I didn't, no one told us that when, you know, we were in film school and right. that sort of thing. I mean, and maybe that's something that's evolved in the last mm-hmm. 20, especially in television. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the writers are gods, mm-hmm. basically, and they're treated as such. You know, right. they get the sandwiches, their individual sandwich with their name on it. That's the studio's way of saying, well, you're the, you're basically, you're, you're, yeah. you are the one. You're right. the one that's creating the blueprint right. and all of that stuff. Well, um, I think that that actually probably came more when TV was such a moneymaker. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're, we're getting this thing. We got 10-year run on of this, you know? So, right. of course, then it's just, and now it's just sort of stayed. Like, the writers are still that way, even on shitty shows. You know, it's like, oh, you're the writer. And it's like, show, no one's watching this. Oh, and Not yeah. like you should take the sandwich away if the show's not doing well. It's like, <laughs> oh, we saw the ratings. Give us that sandwich back. You're eating a tuna fish sandwich today. At the time, like, when you were in film school, that wasn't the... Yes, they were still hit shows, but then the money, like the syndication started kicking in. Like, Oh, TV wasn't even a thing. I mean, I despised TV for 20 years, you know. No. I mean, uh, that was the thing, you know, and you, you kind of, you don't see it very much today, but like going through film school all the way up until maybe 10 years ago, I mean, feature people, and it happens a little bit today, look down on like TV people. Yeah, yeah. Again, not as prevalent, but... It was like, oh, you're doing TV, right. you know. Basically, there was a transition in the mid, you know, the mid two thousands where it kind of, you know, started with like Sopranos, but then you started doing all these like epic saga television, and writers, all the good writers who longed to be feature writers for, you know, since the time they were little kids, basically all the good writers went migrated over to TV. Right. They're like, this is where the money's at. I can actually develop characters, you know, over yeah. a span of 10 seasons yeah. or whatever, rather than like being confined to just one movie. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, if I were to do it again, that's the track that, you know, I would have stuck with writing. And Well, and that was the thing too. It was, it, it's still, even this day, it's still hard to make a film, even though there's so many outlets, but you're also writing one thing. You hope that maybe you had a track record. You get into TV, you're going to be one of, 10 to 15 writers on a show that might go a couple seasons and there's also 300 shows it's definitely probably easier to get in tv writing i mean oh yeah not like it's easy to get into it but you have more of a way as opposed to maybe you have one good script oh because like there'll be times i'll look i'll be watching a, a pretty okay movie from the 80s and i'll look the writer up they did two things but i'm sure they pitched the shit ton out of like i wrote this okay oh, yeah. well yeah give us this and nothing gets developed nothing gets developed and then all of a sudden, maybe he's in TV now or something. I think it was just, if you could get into it, yeah, the feature writing was great. But then it just became, oh, TV's lucrative because there's a lot of it. And you're not just oh, yeah. one person. You're 10 writers. Look, even if you, and I'm in no way putting down writers at all. I mean, I think, I mean, they're the ones that are creating the whatever show it is that yeah. starts with them. And then they have to come up with the ideas as, how do I phrase this? Even if you're not a very good writer, yeah. you know, you end up with, you know, a room, you know, basically all the writers are they're kind of getting little clicks. And it's like one writer brings another writer they know from whatever show, you yeah. know, as long as they like you. Yeah. You're making money hand over fist. You don't even have to have a script. You yeah. could just sit there and raise your hand and be like, oh, that's a great idea. You yeah. should do this. Or, you know, I mean, I understand the people, you know, the people that are actually getting the scripts, you know, to actually get a script. They're going to make more. But if you're just an average guy and you have a modicum of talent, right. you can sit in a writer's room and be the yes man and well, make and a two, whole career out of it. And two, you'll actually end up with a script. Like generally on yes, a show. Eventually. Like, yeah, like usually even in, by a season two, they'll give like the script coordinator, or the script PA a script just so they can 
tested and they'll get their name as a, maybe a story by. Right. But like, yeah, if you're, say there's, you know, uh, like the show I'm on now, it has, uh, we're doing eight episodes and I think uh, there were the three writer producers and there were maybe, I think, only three other writers in the room. It was a small writer's room because it wasn't a, it was already an existing show. But each one of those people have their own script. And like you're saying, you get sent out, you write your script, it comes back in, everyone pitches new jokes, your name is still on it. But like you said, if you can form a script based on an idea that everyone's already hashed out in the room, Mm because you're going to be like, you know, story pitching ideas for the season, arcing everything. And it's like, all right, you're going to write six. Here's everything we've already bullet point. All you have to do is put it together and it's going to still go through another committee. You know, that's the thing. It's like, it's not like once it's like, it's not the stress of, all right, episode six is yours. Oh shit. And we're never going to look at it again. It's, oh, okay. I just have to put it together feel happy with it and then it's going to go in the room and everyone else is going to pitch on it it's like oh what do we think oh what about this line this line and then like you said oh yeah you still have to have some sort of talent but you can skate by because you're going to get one maybe two if you're doing 22 episodes of a show and it's like a 10 writers writers room you might end up with someone or i got two this year and yeah you know but you're still going to make your and that's a win yeah but you're still going to get paid the entire season and then you get that thing too where it's like oh i'm on a hit show not because of me, just collectively. Right. Then all of a sudden, you get that on your resume. It's like, oh, you did Modern Family. Well, welcome to the writer's room. Right. Yeah, but I mean, I didn't create the show. I was just, oh, you did two seasons. That's all that right. matters, you know? And you look at it, it's like, oh, they wrote two episodes of Modern Family. Great. Give them a deal. Oh, yeah. yeah I did. But I mean, we all pitched the story idea. Like, everyone is collect. Like, that's the thing. TV is very much, you know, like like a room full of people. Like, yes, I mean, obviously, like like the Terminator script probably started off as one. And now it has like eight writers on it because everyone wants a piece of that pie. Mm-hmm. But I think TV, everyone's getting a weekly check. Yes. Then you get your script fee. Then you get the residuals. So that's when that that kicks in. And most of these writers are producers, anyways. Right. So, I, yeah, writing on TV is definitely something they probably still don't teach you in film school. Film school is like, no, even though TV is a good medium, film. Yeah, you know, it'd be actually interesting to find that out because I mean, since TV has you know TV has changed so much, um, I remember um, just having a flashback uh, when I did the USC extension program. They had someone come in. I'm trying to think. It was a I don't know who it was, but it was like a high profile TV writer, and he came in and talked. He was saying that he would like sit with his wife when the episode would come on, mm-hmm. you know, over the broadcast, and then he would raise his hand every time a line of dialogue was truly his. Okay. Like that had not been screwed with in any way. Right. Like, okay, from beginning to end. And he'd say like out of an hour long drama, there might be like 12 lines of dialogue yeah. or something, you know, and that was 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. I can't imagine like what it's like now, you know? I mean, if you want to see how weird it is, the show I did two shows ago or what the show I finished this year, uh, not the current one, I got about four jokes in myself. I mean, literally, like, I pitched things while we were, you know, when you lock a show, uh, you spot it for audio and um, maybe ADR and stuff. I'd pitch stuff only because they were thinking of something. There was four people in the room, and it's like, you could do this. That's great. So there was literally lines of jokes I got into a show. I'm not a writer. I'm the post-producer on a show. I literally got jokes into a show. Right. And and actually that happened uh, on the Bernie Mac show because we would pitch in the Bernie Mac show, there were write-ons. So it'd be like, that was a good way to like, if Bernie was on the phone, as opposed to showing the other conversation, Bernie's sister. Great. We don't have to show anything. We got everything. And that was mm-hmm. just something Larry created when he created the show. Marshall and I, when we were on the show, we pitched, we got a few. It's like, oh, that one's mine. Oh, that one's mine. Because, <laughs> you know, I remember one, it was a dumb one. It was just like, for some reason, we do things where, like, Bernie would reach into, like, he was eating, like, cashews. And it was like he reached into a, a, a just, you couldn't even see it. It was just, like, a tray of nuts. Larry or whoever was the showrunner at the time was like, cashews. And I was like, what if we just parentheses unsalted? It's like, that's really funny. I just, I, literally, I just, like, no rhyme or reason or why. I was just, like, unsalted. And he's like, that's really funny. Let's put that in there. It's like, I was just, and it's not like I'm sitting there going, oh, I got to get my jokes in. I'm going to be in the writer's room. That's just me because, one, I have a relationship with these people. But, right. like, I literally on my last show, it's like, I remember one time, I think I watched one with Ange, and I was like, hey, that's mine. That's <laughs> my joke. Yes, I mean, that's how collaborative it is in the writer's room. Like, like you were saying, that guy, had, you know, I raised my hand five times in a 22-minute episode. 
I can raise mine once on a few going, <laughs> eh, even I got a joke in there. Didn't you, didn't we, did you have to create like a, a cable channel guide thing for, uh, for Ellen? I did. And didn't, was Alien Dawn, was that in there? Uh, that might have been for, I think I did it twice. <laughs> I did it for Bernie and I did it for Samantha Who. That's so awesome. So, like, yeah, one of uh, Jason's short films, uh, Alien Dawn, we needed TV shows. And I remember we had to create a cable channel, like, lineup. Like, he turned on his TiVo or whatever because we were sponsored by TiVo. So, literally, we had to send the, like, well, it doesn't matter. Put whatever you want on there. And But, you know, with clearance standards and practice, we can't put friends. We could because we're not making any jokes. But it was, like... I put Alien Dawn. I put like a couple of those, uh, the short films that you, uh, the, your titles, and a couple other things. And I went, fine, 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 whatever. And then That's awesome. on one, we had to do an airport thing. So I did all the flight numbers were everyone's birthdays. So it was like my birthday, Angie's birthday, my mom's birthday. Oh, that's was literally, I mean, once again, it was just the date. So it'd be like 920, flight 926 for Angie. You know, so I was just like, those are dumb things. Like, haha, not yeah. like a win or anything. It's like, I did it. I'm in Hollywood. That's awesome. Before, as we wrap up, because it is 600 degrees in the podcast studio, because I can't run the air while we're, we're uh, <laughs> we record. Do you have any with your can with you know you have a an iPhone that can do 4K and stuff like that? Do you have any desire to do anything now with the way everything is now? Not so much like just like a web show or something, because anyone can just talk and read. Oh, it's shit. like a feature, like either a feature or a short. Do you have any desire to do that now? No, no. I'd rather do like. A YouTube thing mm-hmm. involving cars or something that would make more sense for me at this right. point. You know, no, I'm I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> they don't they don't want me here. <laughs> no, I don't think that I don't think that's true because I honestly think it's it's a young man's game, but I don't think it's a young man's world. Mm. You know, I think there's definitely people, the eager people that are do it, but I think now, I mean, we're like this industry definitely needs different voices because for the love of God, we're getting on a goddamn Terminator movie. And then everything, right. it's like, oh, here's Charlie's Angels again. Oh, for the love of shit. Right. Well, they don't seem to want anything new, though. I mean, right? Because yeah. they'd make it if it was. I think that's the problem, too, because, uh, briefly, Ange and I saw, last weekend, we went and saw Peanut Butter Falcon. Which, oh, yeah. Which is amazing. Small little film. Shia LaBeouf, who I still think is a great actor, even though he has troubles off screen. He's the Edward Furlong minus the meth. <laughs> Once again, you see these small films and they do really well. And it's, I think it's like award season, which we'll probably talk about in a month when all these award films come out. These are the original films, mm-hmm. generally. And you go, wow, these are really good. But it's almost now, literally, you're making films just for awards. And it always right. started like you sort of always game the system. Oh, I got Daniel Day Lewis award film. Now I feel like. That's the only time you see the original films, like mm-hmm. mid-October through January 15th is when all the award films come. Because they'll, they'll yes. do that December release for like a January because for like more of a wide release or something. But I think that's the only time you see originality anymore is that. But from... Well, I mean, well, I mean that's I guess you know, that's when indies were always released, right? It was horror films and your, your crappy indie film was always released in October. No, I know. But it just seems like now that's the only time you... No one's doing... No one's releasing Peanut Butter Falcon the July 4th weekend. And if you no. are, it's just because that was the only slot available for that company. No. Uh, and that's fine. It's not a, I guess, you know, summer movie per se. But I think they're still out there. It's just they're harder to find. Or the people don't go to see them, right? That, like, tag movie, right? The John Hamm and yeah, those yeah. other people. It was supposed to be really good. I know no. I know it tested really well. Yeah. But uh, they released it against Incredibles 2 for some reason on that no. same weekend, you know, as part of, like, counter-programming and... Literally two people went to see it, which is yeah. a shame because, you know, it looked like a really cool movie. Yeah, I think now you just sort of have to either have the star or just get the just right word of mouth, get released in just enough. And it's like, hey, we made our three million back. Mm-hmm. But it's also the funny thing is, too, there's like like with a big action film where there has 10 production cards, there were about 10 production companies behind Peter Butter Falcon. And it's like for a three million dollar budget, they had like eight production companies. <laughs> it makes sense when you're doing like Hobbs and Shaw. Right. It's like, oh, we're getting big chunks of money from all these people. This is like, to get $3 million, it's like you have to beg, borrow, and steal from nine different companies. Mm. What's your film about? Oh, it's just a, you know, heartwarming road film. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So, all right. Well, uh, look forward to Jason's Fanatic. It might come out sooner than uh, Avatar 2. Yeah, it probably is. Jason will probably <laughs> get this thing done. You should just do it to prove a point. Get Michael Bean. I'm sure he would do it. I know. I was just going to say, I was looking at uh, Robert Hayes' IMDb, and I just felt so bad because I love that guy. You know, like 50-50, right? Yeah. Him and uh, Peter Weller. Yeah, yeah. 
that was like almost it wasn't his last movie, but that was sort of his last movie as like a lead, like a co-lead or something. And then from then on, he did like a couple like animated voice. He turned out to be it was Tony Stark. Oh, um, in like the tele, you know the um, like weekday afternoon mm-hmm. Spider Man and okay. Iron Man, a few just odd you know minor characters like here and there for like the, the last twenty years. Wow, I guess I mean the animation pays bills, but he didn't even do like that many of them. You know, oh. it wasn't like Kevin Conroy or something. Oh, um, so we, I was like kind of disheartened. <laughs> so basically, what you're saying you need a gritty reboot of Take This Job and Shove It with Robert yes. Hayes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, follow us on the socials. Uh, Jason is Wired Coyote nine twenty eight on yes. the on the Insta. This has been post apocalyptic with Rob and Jason. Take it easy. 